0: You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network.
1: Hi, this is Roy Thomas, and you're listening to the Epic Marvel Podcast.
0: Hello, this is the Epic Marvel podcast. This is X-Men, episode one, Children of the Atom, covering a period of X-Men from 1963 to 1966. I am your host, Curtis Findlay. And I am your uh, X-Men host, Jared Abrahamson. And this is indeed our first X-Men episodes. I have done now over a hundred episodes of this podcast and we haven't done an X-Men proper. We've talked about X Factor, we've talked about X Force, we've talked about Excalibur, but we haven't yet talked about X-Men. So this is kind of exciting.
1: And and what better place than to start it right at the beginning?
0: Well, you know, I don't know if I don't know about that. There could be uh, it might be a better place to start at uh, volume five, Second Genesis.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that that's certainly the the better volume. <laughs> yeah, I think, but
0: because yeah. our original plan was we were going to start with episode five and right. start with that. Uh, we we had planned that some time ago, but scheduling conflicts kind of happened, and, and and then they announced volume four, which meant we have a string of epic collections from volume one to five now. So why not start at the beginning and just kind of do a straight shot through and see how far that gets us? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe six will be out by the time we get to five. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, who knows? (laughs) I hope
0: so. That would be great. Um, So so we're going to start at the beginning. We're going to talk about issues 1 to 23. This is an interesting period for X-Men because they kind of had a rocky start, didn't they? Yeah,
1: yeah. It it feels like... um, well, out, out of all the uh, work that Stanley and Jack Kirby did together, X-Men kind of feels like the least of it, you know, the, the least interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I would say so.
0: It is interesting to, when, you, when you think about it, when you read through this material with that in mind and think, yeah, they, they kind of actually didn't really care about this stuff. Yeah. X-Men number one debuted in the same month as Avengers number one. And there's such a difference between the the vibrant characters and the, the, the engaging stories that they tell in the Avengers book versus the somewhat bland stuff that they have at the beginning of X-Men. Now, there is a lot of, of good stuff to like in these books, but right. it just seems like they do things like they just come back to the well so many times with with Magneto. That's one of the complaints I hear from a lot of people is Magneto keeps on showing up. And if you think about the Avengers, I think maybe Enchantress shows up a couple times, uh, but they don't have like, like Loki is the, maybe the, the biggest villain that they have at the time, but he doesn't show up every other issue. Uh, they don't, right. they, they keep on inventing or creating new villains for them to fight. And in this book, we have maybe seven villains that they kind of rot- rotate through, including Blob and Mastermind and Eunice the Untouchable.
1: Yeah. And then also Lucifer who, who sucks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> yep. They, he makes a couple appearances in this one volume. So that's, that's too bad. They were trying so hard to tie that into Xavier's origin and it just never stuck. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I know this is volume one. Is there anything that we need to know before jumping into this volume?
1: Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I, I... Every character who, who appears in this volume, I mean, other than the Avengers when they show up, but this is all their first appearances. Right, So yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: No prior knowledge needed for volume one of X-Men. And it's not like Avengers where they just keep on bringing... Uh, maybe that's part of the thing with Avengers is they already have established characters who have established personalities, and they already, each of those characters have their own rogues gallery, so most of those rogues gallery makes their appearance in the Avengers and makes up the Avengers rogues gallery. So that could have something to do with the, the difference between the two team books that we have. And we also have Fantastic Four is mm. also running at the time, so there's three team books now uh, that, are, right. that Stan and Jack are doing.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, looking back, it really seems like this is sort of uh, that I I guess they're trying to to do the Fantastic Four again. Yeah. But I mean, you know, like the most obvious example is uh, Iceman versus the Human Torch. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, you know, the same but different. But uh, yeah, yeah, but it's I, I don't think it's as. As good as uh, you know, Fantastic Four was.
0: I think there was lightning in the bottle to a certain extent with Fantastic Four number one. Yeah. Um, well, and also it's just right off the bat, Fantastic Four is so different because each of the people, each of the characters, are so distinct in their in in their personalities and the way they look. Um, they're and they're also not all teenagers. X Men because they're all teenagers. I think Stan. With a couple exceptions, Stan tries to make them talk the same and sound the same and have the same sort of problems and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, the, the the guys are always fighting over the girl and stuff. You don't have that same sort of dynamic with Fantastic Four because they're right. all different. Johnny is so much younger than Reed, um, who's a lot older even than, than Ben and Sue. And Ben and Sue are like complete opposites. And they, you have such a, a good dynamic between the four of those characters that you don't quite get here in this first volume. It does happen eventually, but not right mm-hmm. away.
1: And also, I, I don't think it really helps that there's six main characters. Right. You know, the, the five of them in Professor X. And, you know, the the page count of the issues wasn't such that they could spend a lot of time on the character, character building. Not that they really did much of that in the 60s anyway, but... <laughs> It it just seems there's less of it here. It's yeah. very
0: true, and also bring it back to Avengers. All of those characters had their own books, where all of that character development, if they were doing it, could happen uh, separately. And then when you have the <laughs> Avengers, you don't have to worry about that as much. You work on the team dynamic instead.
1: Right, right, and and then when the you know the Avengers roster changed <laughs> to, like I guess, not interfere with the the solo books, yeah. so that you know, it went down to four members.
0: Right. All of which had been previously established, so a lot of the groundwork for their characters was already done.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay, so before we jump into the issues, as usual, I have a Twitter poll that I want to bring up, and then we'll talk about some listener comments. So the Twitter poll, I asked the question, who's your favorite of the original X-Men from the Stan and Jack days? Twitter allows only four options, so if you pick Marvel Girl, just leave a comment. Well, before I say the results, Jared, who would you your pick be of these original five X-Men as they appear
1: in in the early days of the X-Men? Um, I I have to go with Beast. <laughs> okay, why is that? Yeah, I I think he has the most distinct personality out of out of all of them. I mean, just that he's uh, every dialogue balloon he has is a lot of big words in it. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and I, I think that uh, you know, and the, there's that one issue where he quits the team and for <laughs> a little bit and anyway, I yeah, I, I think I think beast out of out of those guys. You know.
0: Okay. Would your opinion of these five change with
1: uh, thinking about modern day X Men? I yeah, I still still probably Beast, but I, I think, you know, they, they've all had interesting stories over the years and uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I
0: think I'm gonna pick Iceman. Because he actually goes through a pretty good arc through this volume, starting from, uh, you know, bratty, jokey, punk teenager on the young side to Mm -hmm. being actually a very formidable force by the end of this volume. Uh, Still not the formidable force we know him uh, as, as Iceman in modern times, but... But he goes through this transformation and it's very subtle and you don't really it doesn't stand out as much but um but he goes through more of an arc I think than the other four characters the other four x men in this book so I'm gonna pick iceman yeah
1: yeah that makes sense yeah and also his look changes
0: <laughs> yes, that's true too yeah so the results the the results were in last place angel with zero percent of the votes sorry angel yeah one person left a comment voting for Marvel girl. Uh, so I don't know what percent that gets, but it's pretty low on the scale there. Yeah. Uh thirteen percent for Iceman, thirty nine percent for the beast, and coming up number one is Cyclops with forty eight percent of the votes. Okay. Cyclops is always a fan favorite, so I guess I'm not that yeah. surprised. Uh any he, but he's you know, he's always been this moody moody character, especially in modern times, and he's uh he's pretty moody here too in this volume.
1: <laughs> yeah, always like, Oh, I I can't uh He's, he's the most worried about his powers
0: <laughs> yes yeah 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 and and a reluctant leader and all this kind of stuff too it's, so right right yep. yeah okay so twitter yeah. i also asked for people to leave their comments about what they thought about this volume in particular johnny says man i love early x-men those issues have some underrated villains and the interpersonal dynamics save professor x is really really seedy leering thankfully uh last of the course <laughs> And yeah. uh, I'm a big fan of Werner Roth too. He's like a cross between Kurt Swan, John Ramita, and Don Heck. Hmm. Now that's quite a cross between three really dynamic <laughs> and different uh, pencilers, But uh, we can yeah. dissect yeah. Werner Roth's art when we get to his issues. I think. Okay. Jonathan says it's fun for all the early introductions, but this was way too wordy and dense for me. It felt like Stanley wanted every character to speak in every panel. You're absolutely right, Jonathan. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: And you'll see this in any any X-Men, any Fantastic Four, any Avengers. If there's a panel that has all four of them, then he's going to put a balloon in there for all four or for like every single character that's in there. Uh, it happens every time, and it gets way too dense sometimes, which is why I just can't read a whole lot of 1960s Stan Lee comics in one sitting or in a period, short period of time. Right. Uh, Okay, let's see who else has one here. Over on Facebook, we got some comments too. Drew says, The original five X-Men were always some of my favorites, and Stan Lee does a great job giving them unique voices. My favorite stories in this volume were the Juggernaut and Sentinel Ones. The team really takes a beating, and I was glad uh, each storyline had room to breathe over multiple issues. Least favorite thing would have to be way too much Magneto. He's a great villain, but he shows up a ton in these early issues. I was glad <laughs> to see him sent off into space. Yeah, even though these stories never quite hit the highs of the Claremont run, this is a great foundational volume, mm. and I think foundational yeah. is very, very true. Like this, the, the whole bedrock of X-Men is is right here.
1: Yeah. Because this is the second time I've read through these issues, uh, I, I had totally forgotten that th- there were aspects of like uh, the general populace like hating or being scared of of mutants. Yeah. Like I totally forgot about that, <laughs> but it shows up a few times.
0: It does, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ben says the X Men was the first comic series I utterly loved. Of course, that was early in Chris Claremont's run. This is the first 23 issues from a couple decades before that. The original X-Men is another one of Stan Lee's and Jack Kirby's wonderful creations, but it didn't quite click right away. Both Lee and Kirby are off the book by issue 20 and never really go back. They came up with some Mm -hmm. great concepts that later creators seem to find a way to make them appeal to a broader audience. I enjoyed the early issues, but I feel that these do show their age. Yeah, they absolutely show their age. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. (laughs) In many ways. Yeah. Yeah. Sean says, Classic characters, but Stan had no idea what to do with them. The Gene Warren Scott melodrama gets old fast. I do like the Mastermold story. This was the definite high point for me. Now, I want to make a comment here. I think that when you read them in a huge clump like this, yes, Mm -hmm. the Gene Warren Scott melodrama gets old fast, but you have to remember, I think, that This comic was bi-monthly. You only got 22 pages every other month. So when you're reading it like that, it probably didn't seem like that bad at the time.
1: Right, because this is basically almost three years of
0: (laughs) Yeah, it it takes a long time. And it's always a sign of a comic not performing well when it's bi-monthly. And this book stays bi-monthly. Um, all the way to uh, issue number 14. It took over a year for them to change it to monthly status. Mm -hmm. So that's not a good sign of a good start for a book. I think, I think um, Avengers went monthly after issue 8 or 9 or something like that.
1: Yeah, okay.
0: Okay, so John says, This suffered from what I call, in quotes, Inspector Gadgetitis, which I know isn't the first show or serial <laughs> story to use this de- device, but it just had far too many issues where Magneto shows up in an unlikely scenario, mustache twirling and going, I'm going to get you, X-Men, and, fall- <laughs> and then he fails in some equally improbable way. And as he's getting away, he shouts, "I'll get you next time, X-Men!" And it repeats. Really <laughs> uninspired stuff, though. We are introduced to a lot of what become classic characters. <laughs>
1: yeah, that, that's pretty funny. Yeah,
0: Inspector Gadgetitus. <laughs> right. That is very true. That is exactly Magneto. <laughs> and he's so different in this early volume. Just how how pompous, how arrogant. He's pretty much a Doctor Doom character in this in this book.
1: Yeah, and honestly, I, I think his his costume kind of reminds me of Doctor Doom a little bit. I yeah. mean, totally different colors, but but he's got the know. cape, he's got the the mask,
0: and yeah, yeah, they're just a, an archetype for sure. But Magneto definitely moved beyond that, and and is a completely de- different character nowadays. Whereas Doctor Doom is still a pompous egomaniac.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe it just took Magneto getting uh, aged back to a toddler and then re upped in his age much later. <laughs> so
0: The only other comment we got were um, Billy left uh, an emoji of some leering eyes and then added the panel of Professor Xavier secretly thinking about his love for Gene Cray. <laughs> it's like, oh boy. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> right. I. How big of an age difference do you think that that was at this time?
0: It's really hard to say. I I don't know if you can really pinpoint an age on Xavier very well. Nowadays they treat him I think maybe like he's in his 40s, but I bet uh-huh. in this book he might have even been late 20s or early 30s, which the in the 60s that age gap is not as unusual. But today right. it just seems wrong.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's so wrong.
0: <laughs> because he doesn't come off as a father figure in this in this volume. But right. he certainly comes off as a father figure whenever they have him. Like once we once we hit the '90s, especially, mm-hmm. uh, he's definitely <laughs> filling that role. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just going back in retrospect, it just seems a little uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad nothing really came of that. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: So. Um, also, aside from the fact that he, it's a student-teacher relationship, and that's probably a big no-no as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should begin at the beginning with issue number one. This one is just called X-Men, and this is the issue where we are introduced to everybody. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Ex, uh, Professor Xavier has four students that he has. They all have unique abilities. He's training them. And then they get a, a, a word that they're going to get a new fifth student who is a Marvel girl, Jean Grey, who also has a unique ability. And they just kind of get to – we get to learn all about their different powers In a training session and then all of a sudden they get a warning that magneto is attacking a a sub out in the middle of the ocean and they have to go kind of save the world from magneto who's going to deploy, deploy missiles kill all the humans so that's our first issue it's classic i hope that everybody listening to this has read it already because it is one of the most important issues of the marvel universe
1: yeah and, and basically, the the whole story was uh, used on the '90s X-Men show. Like the first time Magneto shows up on the show, that that's basically this and the same story.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but he he comes off on the show a little bit more Magneto than this one. This one he just seems like a
1: uh, just a, a, <laughs> an evil gen- mutant. generic. <laughs> Bad guy. Yeah, 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 exactly. Right. Yeah, definitely. The the show uh, benefited from all the character development that he had, you know, in the 30 years or whatever it was. But yeah, this I mean, this is a a fun classic issue kind of does set up everyone's powers you know right out the gate what do you yeah. think
0: of their early these powers in the early days because they all have progressed i mean they all basically keep the same powers but they're they get they get way way more powerful you know through the 90s i think especially than they do yeah. here
1: i mean the most notable notable difference i think is uh Iceman is is like uh, he should be called snowman because he's not ice he's just snow but uh yeah and was angel do he just flies yeah yeah
0: i think that the biggest one is is marvel girl especially because she doesn't even have all of the powers that she is known to have nowadays she only is telekinetic she doesn't have any telepathic powers
1: right yeah yeah and much less the whole phoenix force that Uh, yeah of course (laughs) but that's that's for another day um
0: I like the way that Jack Kirby draws their costumes in this first issue. It's actually, Mm -hmm. they're actually black and yellow costumes, and they have blue highlights. Uh, So it's, and this changes even just with issue number two. It goes from being black costume with blue highlights to blue costumes with black shadows. And of course, they're now known to have just be red. I mean, sorry, just known to be yellow and, and blue. Interesting to see, though, that the original concept, I think, was supposed to be black. Yeah. So, so much of this book, of this first issue, has been retconned in some way or another. <laughs> just with uh, the way that they came to the mansion. The uh, Like, one of the biggest things that we now know is that Xavier had actually been, um, I don't know if you call it tutoring or something, tutoring Jean Grey well before she joined the X-Men. Mm-hmm. And so, in here, it's like she shows up and is meeting Xavier for the first time, saying things like, I was just compelled to come here but it's that that's not actually the case as it turns out in future stories. So that's just one example.
1: And um also I think in this issue uh it's they always call him Slim Summers.
0: Right, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't think Scott comes until probably issue two but uh
0: (laughs) i think it's issue number three because i don't think that they say slim or scott at all in issue number two they just refer to cyclops cyclops i think scott in issue three is the first time we hear him actually called by that name but slim has always been a a nickname for him ever since then like they it kind of stuck so they right that's sort of a retcon as well
1: yeah yeah probably just because uh Stan Lee forgot
0: (laughs) forgot his first name (laughs) yeah oh man like he does in every book whether it's Peter Palmer or (laughs) or whatever I can't remember Bruce Banner was called something different well Robert Banner They had to retcon that. And Rick Jones (laughs) was called something different at one point. I can't remember as well. He never remembered. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, One other interesting thing to note here is Xavier says on page 19 here in the book, he says that he is born to atom bomb parents. People, his parents worked on the atom bomb. And that this oh, okay. implies that the radiation from the atom bomb affected him as an unborn child, and so that he came out a mutant when he was born. He suspects that he's the first mutant at this point as well.
1: Yeah. So I I guess that would make him, uh, <laughs> <laughs> eighteen. Eighteen. Um, oh,
0: you're thinking okay, because because of the Manhattan the, Project in the world during World War II.
1: Right. It Was uh like yeah, 1945.
0: Yeah. And then this is nineteen
1: sixty three. Okay, so. well
0: there you go. Then I guess the age gap between him and uh, and right, Dean Gray is not so far <laughs> off after all.
1: That's 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 yeah that that's not bad at all. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. First, uh, danger room. Oh yeah, yeah. the danger room. So. Uh,
0: yeah, it's I love the danger room in these early days. It's just so ill defined. It's like a room. Yeah with just uh, some uh, some equipment and apparatus a few mechanical things and then it gets and it's just a room but they, they right. quickly um, they quickly make it more and more elaborate as it, as it gets on in, in these issues here
1: yeah yeah but I mean I I do love you know the I, I guess you could call it Kirby Tech yeah yeah <laughs> the big machinery and stuff that, that he does always so fun. well but yeah so issue two now yeah it's called no one can stop the vanisher. And basically, what what it is, the the Vanisher is uh, uh, he can teleport. Uh, so I guess he's basically Nightcrawler before <laughs> before yeah. Nightcrawler, but he's trying to get some secret plans from the the capital, and the X Men have to stop him.
0: This one had a great like a fantastic 4 number 1 style opening where Xavier oh, right. <laughs> sends out the call to me my X-Men and then they all they're like all in public and so they have to sneak away from the public and use their powers a little bit and like people are questioning it questioning it it is exactly like at the beginning of Fantastic 4 number 1 when Reed summons all of them for the first time. Yeah. It's a great it's a great thing because in these early issues uh, if you're just randomly picking up X-Men and it, this is a brand new thing, you're probably going to want to know about these characters and what, what better way to do that than this sort of sequence. And so you see this happen in pretty much all of these first few issues uh, just to bring readers up to
1: speed. Yeah, I, I do enjoy, um, you know, all the, the teenage girls, you know, like mobbing Angel and then Jean marvel girl just puts them on on top of a roof <laughs> yeah let's just put them up there they'll be fine <laughs> yeah right <laughs> her powers are so ambiguous at
0: this point as well as like if you're thinking about let's say the average girl is like you know under 120 pounds yeah and there's one two three four five six girls here you're talking about about you know 800 pounds she's lifting right. them no problem uh, and and sending them across the street but then and she doesn't get tired mm-hmm. but there are other times where she lifts up what i would assume would be way less taxing uh material or whatever uh like way lighter and stuff and then she just she can't handle it
1: right well i, I don't know maybe uh a, a jealousy is giving her that extra boost right
0: <laughs> her adrenaline's pumping yeah uh, yeah. yeah exactly right Okay, so if you go to page yeah. 46 in this issue, which is the 20th page of this story, in, in the third panel, that middle panel, mm-hmm. Cyclops... So so Iceman has frosted Angel's wings, and Cyclops is blasting off the snow or the ice with his, with his beam. The dialogue says, hold still, Angel, I'll have that melted in no time. And then the picture is of the beam just blasting off the snow or the ice. And we know, just because of all the history, that Cyclops' beam is not a heat beam. It's a force mm-hmm. beam. So these early days, I think that there was a discrepancy between what Stan thought Cyclops' power should be and what Jack's power, uh, what Jack thought that Cyclops' power should be. Because Stan is drawing it in a very specific way, and, and this is the Marvel method. So he'd draw it first and then hand it over to Stan, and Stan put in a dialogue balloon that says, I'll have that melted in no time. Right.
1: How could he be so precise, you know, melting it without burning Angel's wings?
0: Or without blasting so, a without blasting right through. through.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, because, I mean, this is early days and... <laughs>
0: They they really didn't care about that stuff as much. There's another scene where Cyclops is cutting a cake with his laser laser vision and it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. is he wouldn't he be like slicing through the table as well? Like can he really <laughs> right. control the beam so it only goes through a certain amount of of matter before it stops? I'm not sure how that his beam works at all.
1: Yeah, and I well, really, I don't think most writers know either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just write it as they need to use it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I think it's. I mean, because I, I've. I know I've read stories where it's. It's obvious that it's a heat beam, also. But. Yeah. But it, even though it's not supposed to be.
0: So, what do you think of the Vanisher?
1: Uh, he was he was fine. I mean, he looks kind of weird. but <laughs> He looks ridiculous.
0: He's got such a ridiculous <laughs> yes. outfit. Um, yeah. It, it, he's nothing. I, I don't know. He's nothing special. I'm, I'm not surprised he's, that he just kind right. of falls off the face of the map and is not a major player in the X-Men world.
1: Yeah. Does he show up again? I
0: totally forgot. If he I'm does sure. He, not. I'm, I think he does at some point. Um, not positive, yeah. but he, d- he doesn't go away for yeah. sure, but he's definitely not a reoccurring villain in the sense that right. like juggernaut is a reoccurring villain.
1: Right. Well, this is also uh sort of the, the first uh, appearance of uh, professor X sort of mind wiping somebody. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. He does that a yeah. lot in these early issues. He gets yeah, so yeah. particular about it later on, about, you know, the ethical consequences and moral implications of, of of mind wiping somebody. But he's so he does it so freely in these early issues.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, X-Men number 3 is called Beware of the Blob and this is the first appearance of an of an X-Men mainstay, the Blob. The X-Men are training and they get word of another n- new mutant. I love this just this device. They haven't established Cerebro at this point, so Xavier just says, "I I just I detect another mutant presence somewhere in the city. Go, go find it." And they just have to go and find it. And they, that happens in so many of these early issues here. Yeah, but they go find him. He's at um he's at a um a circus. He's a, kind of a in the freak show at the circus, and they try to recruit him to the X Men, but he doesn't want to be part of it. And they end up having a um, a skirmish with all of the zoo patrons or the zoo employees, uh, and in the end, they do not recruit the Blob. Uh, he stays right exactly where he is. So this mm-hmm. issue really accomplished nothing
1: yeah except professor x mind wiped everybody do at the Carnival. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: so, yeah crowds of people
1: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i i do enjoy the blob though i mean that he's he's just so just not interested you know and yeah and they're like yeah come on join us and he's like no, I'm happy here.
0: <laughs> it is funny, yeah. They but...
1: they assume
0: that it's like, of course he's going to join. He's a mutant just like us. Wouldn't he want to be among his own kind? But it's like, no, I don't want to have anything to do with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. <laughs> it's establishing right away that, you know, everyone has different opinions about their own powers and it's not all black and white. Uh, Blob isn't an evil guy. He's He just doesn't want to be responsible for anything.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, he's just totally... Uh, um... I guess enjoying his uh, what what he does in life and yep. just totally happy with that and I guess there's nothing wrong with that really but it's other forces getting in the way and trying to to use him for other things.
0: So this is the issue that has the infamous Xavier thinking lovely thoughts about Jean Grey <laughs> the thing that we were talking about <laughs> earlier. Yeah. <laughs> they're definitely, and this was even before uh, before Cyclops was saying things like "I love Jean." So I, I wonder. Yeah, I don't know what they had originally intended for for those two, but for the better right. that they changed their
1: minds. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> One part uh, where you know they're searching the the carnival, and and Cyclops sees the guy who's shooting and hitting the targets without looking, and but he he sees that it's actually another guy under the. Under the table, shooting, yeah, uh, and it, I think that I don't know if is he melting the gun or is he, you know, just bending it with the force because it kind of looks a little, little weird.
0: <laughs> right. Yes. So it could be that he's melting the barrel of that gun for sure. I had a similar example on page fifty-three mm-hmm. uh, where Cyclops again is busting some ice off of Archangel's wing, is clearly blasting it off, but the the ice, but the words say, um, but I notice you can't thaw Bobby's ice trap without a little help. So there's still yeah. a little bit of fighting between Stan and Jack over what Cyclops' powers could be. And it, and it seems even, based on your example, that even Jack is not too clear about what Cyclops' powers are. Right.
1: Another fun thing worth pointing out in this issue is uh, page 66. Um the first panel on the page blob is totally bald
0: oh yeah <laughs> i didn't notice that
1: <laughs> whoops oh well <laughs> <laughs> so uh, would that be the inker's fault do you think or i don't know i mean not yeah i don't know how how tight kirby's pencils would have been i mean when he was doing Half the Marvel line. <laughs> every yeah, month.
0: he pro- it probably was fairly loose, and the inker was probably um, was probably overworked as well because they they also had very few inkers working at right. the time. They were also working on multiple books, so he's probably just kind of flying through there. The other possibility is that that's not the blob; it's his twin brother who happens to have shaved his head.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go with that. He, he just shows up. Uh,
0: he's just there. You know, he doesn't have any there. mutant yeah. powers, so the X Men aren't looking for that guy no
1: no yeah yeah
0: um (laughs) so in this one Xavier is quite the inventor he like so on page 65 he's like just inventing things he's just tinkering around and and making things and I never ever think of Xavier as that kind of a scientist
1: right yeah that that's more of a uh like more something beast does
0: (laughs) yeah Exactly, but I mean, yeah. he designed the Danger Room and everything, so obviously he has these skills. But they really don't right. yeah. use them or play with that much in modern days. It's really right. a thing that's very specific to the '60s.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and I guess he also built Cerebro too.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but I, I guess he's building the intensifier to so he can mind wipe everybody all at once. <laughs> <laughs> Cause, yeah, because he uses that later. But, anyways. Issue Issue Four: The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, uh, and this is the the first issue of seemingly half the rest of the book where the the Brotherhood shows up. Yeah, and uh, I guess in this first one they take over a, a small country in uh, Central America, but anyways, the and then the the X Men go there, storm the castle, and and. Uh, Save this country from being taken over by Magneto and and all the bad guys. You know, this is the first appearance of Scarlet Witch, Quicksilver, Toad, and Mastermind.
0: Yeah, Man. some very very important characters here, and yeah, they, they they're actually they're actually pretty good characters. Uh, they each mm-hmm. have a unique voice. Yeah, they have great powers. They're all individual and um, and I just love that they squabble with each other all the time, like a typical villain team. Very very cool. Yeah. So one of the things here is that Xavier says he he keeps on saying things like we need to go find the evil mutants, and he just he just always calls them evil. But uh, their name isn't actually the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. That's not something that they call
1: themselves. Right. Yeah, the, just call themselves the Brotherhood. Yeah, I don't mutants, even know probably, if they call themselves or... the
0: Brotherhood. I don't even know yeah. if they give themselves a name. They're just a group. But on the cover, it's, right. it, it clearly says this is the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants.
1: Yeah, and two of them go on to join the Avengers. <laughs> yeah, how bad can they be? Yeah, right? That's not too bad. But
0: <laughs> What do you think of the relationship between Magneto and Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch?
1: Uh yeah, because I I guess that was another thing that was retconned really because they're not, I mean they're not established as Magneto being their father right yet, <laughs> yeah I guess that doesn't happen for quite some time right, um
0: yeah not quite yeah it, it's quite a bit down the road,
1: yeah now I'm sure it happens in in the Avengers not in X Men but uh yeah it, it's well he doesn't seem to you know care about them at all, I mean well. <laughs> I guess Magneto at this point doesn't really care about anything except Conquest, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And where Magneto saved uh, Scarlet Witch from... From something. From something, right? Uh, Is it this issue or the next one?
0: No, no, I don't think it's this issue. But they do reference that. We do find out that there's, yeah, they have quite a history together.
1: Yeah. Actually, it is this issue. But oh, Where is it? Page 80, 84, 85. And just two two panel flashback. Right,
0: right, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: Yeah, where Scarlet Witch, you know, is burning a house like, accidentally. And the the villagers, you know, do what villagers do. <laughs>
0: A witch, a witch,
1: a witch. Yeah, let's let's kill her, and then Magneto's there to to rescue her. Yeah, and then I I guess it's just because uh, because she has pledged her allegiance to Magneto that Quicksilver is just a, along for the ride, right?
0: Yeah, well, Quicksilver doesn't trust uh, Magneto. He's just he's right. there to protect his sister from everybody, including him. So. Uh, I think that's an interesting thing as well because there's 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 just no trust in this relationship, so so yeah. you, you know it's going to be doomed at some point. Yeah. On page on page ninety seven, um, Magneto clearly says that he does not care about humans at all. He's going to blast them all and wipe them all off the planet with nuclear bombs and all that kind of stuff. Right. He he's always been on this side where he thinks mutants are superior, which is. Also problematic, but at least nowadays he's not so genocidal about humans. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he he definitely doesn't want to. He, he's not an equal opportunity guy like Xavier is, but uh, he's also not the killing machine that he seems to be in these first few issues.
1: Right, and and yeah, and Quicksilver raising the uh, objection that he doesn't want. What, what about all the innocent people that will be killed? So. You know, right there, there's another example of the division.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch are not bad guys, which I think is why they move over to the, the Avengers so easily because it's clearly established that they're not on the same page with
1: Magneto. Right, yeah. It's it's also kind of weird seeing, you know, how much they their well, especially Quicksilver, his costume changed, you know, because it's, like, here it's green, and he has weird shoulder pad things. But uh, yeah. when he's, when they go over to Avengers, it becomes blue, right?
0: No, I don't. Is it blue right away? Or does he stay green for a while?
1: I don't okay. know when he turns blue. I have
0: to look that okay. up. Okay, yeah. But I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure he stays green when he first joins the Avengers.
1: Okay. And Scarlet Witch's headgear looks really weird <laughs> <laughs> this early on. Yeah, I mean, I guess it always looks kind of weird. But this... Very flat here and it's just her face on a
0: like it looks like it's sticking through a piece of paper or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so oh well, oh well. <laughs> well, moving on to to Mastermind. To me he doesn't look like a, a Jack Kirby character. I mean it, it almost looks like uh, you know, and on page eighty, when you first see him, well, first see all of the the Brotherhood, uh, he kind of looks like a like a Don Heck drawing, like just there, you know, surrounded by Jack Kirby characters, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs>
0: Well, he but. does other characters that kind of look like this. I think the the wizard is another one that comes to mind of having kind of the, the long, misshapen kind of face. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, it's definitely different than Kirby's standard Kirby face, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Toad is like that, too. Toad is a very different style than Kirby usually does.
1: Right, Right. Well, I mean, he's he kind of looks like a toad <laughs> <laughs> at some points. Right.
0: <laughs> so in this issue, Scott's powers drain. And this is something that Stanley would do in all of his books. He would have a built-in time limit for their powers, whether it be, mm-hmm. you know, Iron Man's suit runs out of energy or Spider-Man loses his web shooters uh, or runs run, runs out of web fluid. In this one, Cyclops can only shoot for so long and then he has to kind of recharge and that goes for all of these characters in the X-Men. They they all have sort of built-in devices. Marvel Girl can't use her powers for too long. She gets tired. Iceman loses his ice. And I guess maybe Beast and Angel just get tired because they're just, just... exerting their energy. But right. they seem to kind of drop all of these things after a while. Yeah. Okay, X-Men number five, Trapped, One X-Man, featuring the return of the evil mutants. It's only been one issue, but they're back.
1: Yeah, they've been gone so long.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so this is issue number five, and this is the third appearance of Magneto. So we are getting a lot of him all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. And in this issue, Toad tries to trick the X-Men into uh, taking taking them into their home. Like he, he poses as a... Um, a track star who's really good at jumping and the X-Men are like, that guy's jumping way too high. He must be a mutant. So that they try to recruit him into their ranks and Toad plays along in order to get to their base. But instead he leads the X-Men to Magneto's base and things go horribly wrong.
1: You know, also uh, he he's wearing a, a mask, you know, like the Mission Impossible type mask where nobody can tell it's a mask. <laughs> and But it comes off. Right until it comes off. Right. So. Yeah. And
0: Jean's yeah. parents come to visit for a little bit here, um, which is a which is which is a plot device that's used to much greater effect later on when Angel's parents come and visit him.
1: Mm-hmm. And they they give Jean's parents the tour, uh, and Scott gets locked in the danger room. <laughs> yeah, there's a
0: lot of filler in this issue. Yeah.
1: There is also uh, Asteroid M
0: is in this issue. Mm-hmm. Or was that introduced in the last issue?
1: I I don't think so. It was because they, they were just on that. Uh... On that island, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: The Asteroid M thing is so, I mean, of course, this is science fiction and it's Marvel and it's superheroes and it's unbelievable. But <sighs> a, a, a base that's made out of an asteroid just seems so weird. And it sticks around for a long time.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, well into um
0: It's still around in the nineties, right? Or is it even the two thousands? Oh yes. Yeah.
1: Um yeah, it's in in the two thousands. I I think it's eventually like uh they bring it down and put it in the ocean and it becomes Nation X.
0: Oh, right, yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so in this issue, Professor X pretends that he loses his powers so that the X-Men won't rely on him to help. And I thought That's actually kind of a real jerky thing to do. Yeah. He could have just said, hey, guys, you're on your own for this. Let's see how you do. Um, And been on standby and stuff. But, like, why pretend to lose your powers? He's so smug about it at the end as well. He's, like, (laughs) smoking his pipe. Well, I never lost it. I only
1: pretended to. (laughs) Right, right, yeah. I mean, I kind of think Professor X has pretty much always been sort of a jerk
0: (laughs) in many ways.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, especially here, like, yeah, oh, you were so concerned that I lost my powers last issue, but it's okay. It's It's, okay.
0: I was only kidding.
1: Right? Like, I don't know. It just seems like manufactured drama, you know? Yeah. yeah.
0: And in the last panel of this, uh, we see that the X-Men are going to graduate their training school I'm like, wow, it's only the fifth issue and we're already getting past that aspect. <laughs> it's like, I wonder if right. Stan and Jack were tired of this school thing, because there's, there's one more hint that they didn't really have a, a direction for the book.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because it it changes, but it doesn't really change.
0: Nothing really changes. They yeah. they don't they don't call it like they don't say that they're in school anymore. But but even when Archangel's parents come to or Arch, I call them Archangel when Angel's parents come to visit him later, they're still it's mm-hmm. still under the the guise of all rooming at a school, a boarding school of some sort.
1: Right. Yeah. But but they they graduate. I mean, there, there's a graduation photo where they all they're all holding diplomas. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, How weird. Right?
0: <laughs> okay, sorry, hold on a second. This, Just one correction. This last panel is not where he announces that they're graduating. He just says that they passed a major exam. Um, oh. So that's, uh, the graduation one's coming up pretty soon.
1: Right, yeah, I, I guess it's issue seven where they, they graduate. Yeah,
0: but... way more longer, way more acceptable of a time frame for them to <laughs> be in school.
1: Right, yes, six issues, not five. <laughs> Okay, so now now moving on, right? Yes, yes. So the Submariner joins the evil mutants. <laughs> and uh, basically it's both uh, Professor X and Magneto realize that the Submariner is a mutant, and they both try to recruit him. And and like Submariner always does, is realize that the surface world is terrible, and he goes back and lives in the ocean again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's, that's what he does. That's what he does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, it 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 was fun to to you know to see Submariner again. He's always a a fun you know pompous <laughs> character.
0: And I think the the inclusion here of him here is the the first instance of the X Men joining the larger Marvel universe. Because up until oh, this true. point, it's all been self contained.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: In the first page here, they're they're eating pie, and um, the beast is going for some sugar, and Cyclops is like, uh, "Don't reach across the table!" And he shoots his his beam at Beast. It's like that's gonna take off Beast's fingers, <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't do that, yeah. Cyclops. <laughs> And then the other thing yeah. in this one is that Iceman um, creates – he puts some foam or some snow, I guess, on top of the pie to make a la mode, which implies that he has ice cream. Like, he says in the next panel that he's made ice cream. How I didn't know that Iceman has the ability to make
1: ice cream. <laughs> Right. Well, I mean, he is, uh, isn't he an Omega level mutant or whatever? I guess. Yeah. He must be able to lactate
0: uh, somehow in order to make it ice cream. Oh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But,
1: but out of his fingers. So yeah. Oh man. (laughs) Ah, oh, yeah, right. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Moving on. Maybe there's, yeah, maybe there's just like a little cup of cream on the table and he's like, oh, I can turn that into ice cream. I
0: hope, I hope that's what the answer is
1: here. <laughs> yeah.
0: This whole issue is actually more of a Magneto story than an X-Men story. The X-Men happened to be mm-hmm. there, but it's really more about Magneto trying to convince... Like, his plan um, to create the division between the Atlanteans and their ruler and trying to get get Submariner on board. And so much of it focuses on Submariner's interaction with all of the other brotherhood. Mm -hmm. The X-Men kind of just kind of get in the way and stuff. So I thought that was just an interesting way to tell the story. Uh, It's different than the issues that we've seen before, so that's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that... (laughs) That one plot plot line of, you know, Magneto causing uh, that one Atlantean to try and take over when Submariner has gone. Like, that's not resolved here.
0: Yeah. I wonder if if it's resolved in a different book.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I guess next time he shows up. I don't know. Yeah, I wonder when that would be. Yeah, but,
0: um, does he have his own book at this point in Tales to Astonish? I don't recall. I, I
1: don't um, think he does. I, I don't think so, because that would still be Ant-Man, right? And
0: uh, yes, you're right, because this is still the yeah. very early days of the Avengers. So yeah, ant Man's still going on. Submariner hasn't right. got
1: his own title yet. Yep. Right. Yeah, because he, I, th- I think he takes over once Ant-Man stops. Yeah. Right. Yeah, But that's okay. Right. Okay. Uh
0: Marvel Girls got a new costume, j- just a new headdress, so that's something different.
1: Mhm. Which changes again in the next issue.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then we get a cool pinup at the end here of Cyclops. Mhm. And there's a couple of different pinups throughout the next few issues. Uh they don't quite get through the whole team, but they almost do.
1: Um right, this <laughs> is, it, is it only 3 of them or do they get four?
0: There's only three of them, and then Angel has a splash page, which I'm sure was a pinup, but they stuck it into the actual issue as part of the story. Okay. But we'll get to that yeah. in a little bit. Um sure. X Men number seven is the return of the Blob. So now and also co starring Magneto and his Evil Mutants. So not only are we <laughs> seeing the same four evil mutants, but the Blob is back as well. So Um, I would love a little bit more variety, but Mm -hmm. out of all of these issues, we've only had Magneto, Blob, and one one issue with The Vanisher, and that's about it.
1: And it's not like, I mean, I guess these days you could have seven issues of one story, (laughs) but that's not the case here. That's not how it worked back then,
0: yeah. Yeah. Right, so so this is the issue that starts with the photo of the graduation class, the graduating class of X-Men, all holding their diplomas and stuff, and... Uh, um, and in this one, Charles makes Scott the team leader, and mm-hmm. Magneto tries to recruit the Blob uh, to join the Brotherhood, and that doesn't go as well either. Um, and see, there's just some there's uh, some weird things throughout this issue. We get a better sense of Blob's power. So Jean Grey at one point tries to um, tries to telekinetically lift Blob into the air. But because he's unmovable, his feet stick. They literally stick to the ground. The ground is pulled up with his feet. I thought that was a really weird thing because in other times, even in this volume, he can get, with a strong enough force, he can get actually knocked off his feet and the dirt mm-hmm. doesn't come with him.
1: Right. Well, um, and, and actually earlier in the, the issue, uh, Magneto does the same thing. Just uh, page 160. Yeah, a couple pages before that, You. <laughs> see Magneto right. blowing, yeah, and there's a big, big chunk of, yeah. <laughs> of dirt <laughs> even. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, yeah. I, I guess later when Blob comes back again, that I don't think that happens again. No,
0: I don't think so either. Really. But yeah, I love on page sixty. We see the Cerebro machine, and it has a list beside it of known hostile mutants, and so <laughs> Magneto, Toad, Mastermind, Quicksilver, Scarlet Witch, and Blob, and unknown. Are all there? Right. And so when Cerebro senses an evil mutant nearby, um, it the the name lights up on this little display. But aren't they always nearby? Like they don't leave the <laughs> city, really. They should just always be lit up. Or does yeah. it only only light up when they use their powers or when they are causing problems? It's it's not a very good system. And also, could you imagine yeah. if the X Men still had to use this system today? The... <laughs> like, right, how the, the... long would the list of names be? <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I was just thinking like uh, carnival lights going around. Yeah, that's right. They're just constantly blinking all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So this issue is inked by Chick Stone. It's the first issue inked by Chick Stone, and he's got a very different style of inking. Uh, He doesn't use a lot of the same heavy black, like spot blacks that the other inkers do. And if you look mm-hmm. at like for instance on page 160 the that panel we were talking about where Magneto is pushing the blob off there's barely any spot blacks on this on this in this panel. Um yeah. and if you flip it just flip back to any random page in the past like the folds in the clothes the way their costumes work just, there's just much... there's a lot more black for depth and I feel like it makes Chick Stone's panels seem a lot more flat. Mm. They're not as well defined or something. I I like Chick Stone. I think he's great. Does some good stuff on Fantastic Four, but um, mm-hmm. I wish he would just render his characters a little bit more to create a little bit more of a sense of roundness or depth to them. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, I also like the, the little excursion that they have. while well, I guess Hank and Bobby have at the the jazz club. <laughs> right. That's <yeah. laughs> <it's> pretty fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, with all the beatniks and stuff.
1: It's, uh, yeah, and uh, Hank takes off his shoes, and everyone's so excited about his giant feet. <laughs> Yeah. It's,
0: it's, I don't know. If I saw someone taking off their shoes and putting them up on the table at a restaurant, I wouldn't be happy about
1: that. I, no, I don't think I, I would either. But
0: <laughs> I guess it's acceptable behavior in the beatnik culture.
1: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I've never been to a, a beatnik bar. So yeah. <laughs> um, at the end, uh, the, the Brotherhood get into the uh, Magna car.
0: Ah, yes. The Magna car. That's right. Makes a couple appearances yeah. in this book here.
1: Yeah, but (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Right. Yeah. So, so silly, but so 60s. (laughs) Yeah, right.
0: And that's the type of thing that I would not be surprised to see in DC at this time, because they really leaned into that kind of thing in their in their silver age. But Marvel yeah. didn't really lean into that. I mean, we had the Fantastic Car, but right. that was about it, and it didn't look so yeah. gimmicky. They, they, they didn't go for those kind of things like DC did.
1: Right? Yeah. Because yeah, I think even uh, Green Arrow had his Arrow Car. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ridiculous. But... <laughs> it is. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It,
0: it just seems so out of place in a Marvel book to have something like that.
1: Yeah. 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 That that's true. Okay, so uh, moving on to issue eight. Called The Uncanny Threat of Unis the Untouchable. <laughs> I don't think we mentioned that last issue when they they graduated, Professor X left. <laughs> you know, he left Cyclops in charge, so Right. And but he also he's gone for for a little while. So Cyclops is, you know, running the the training session in the danger room. And then Later, Iceman and Beast are just walking around the city, and they see a child in danger. So Beast rescues him, but uh, you know, also while revealing himself to be a mutant. So then the crowd gets super angry and attack them, and they come back to come back to the mansion and all all beat up and stuff. And Beast decides to quit. <laughs> he's like he's had enough of this, and he's he's just done. So he leaves. And he becomes a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 next logical step. That, that seems
0: to be the case with like mutant or people with powers who don't really know what to do with their powers. They don't really embrace the the responsibility. They become wrestlers. I mean, wasn't that what Spider Man started off as as well, or on <laughs> TV?
1: Yeah, that that's true. He was he was yeah, and the, and uh, the the thing happens uh later <laughs> yeah yep
0: yeah too. exactly but anyways oh.
1: <laughs> so in the uh beast's wrestling match he he faces unis the untouchable and he's a, a mutant who no one can touch <laughs> so you know beast loses but uh unis is uh then contacted by mastermind telling him like oh you're a mutant you have to you want to join with with us with Magneto so you have to destroy the X-Men and it's kind of funny like yeah he's thinking like how can I beat uh the X-Men I've never even seen one in person <laughs> <laughs> Yeah so he he stops a bank robbery and the the other X-Men find him and they and he attacks them and then at the end uh Beast rejoins the X-Men and creates this device that will uh well it 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 changes his Unis's power so that he can't touch anything like it it makes it, him that much more powerful so he can't you know he tries to eat and and like the food's just flying out of his hands and so yeah so he he begs beast to change him back so he can you know cuz he's he's hungry <laughs> but by doing that they it says like yeah he'll never I'll never get uh, get involved in this again. I'll just go back to being a wrestler.
0: <laughs> I, I find this ending kind of...
1: It, it's kind of frightening,
0: actually, that the Beast has this ability to enhance... Like, he, he creates this invention that can enhance anybody's powers. Why doesn't he enhance their powers so that they are more powerful than Eunice instead of changing Eunice's powers?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess because... Maybe he doesn't want to uh like have the the any unexpected consequences of being far too powerful,
0: yeah, I guess so. he's not afraid to so, use it on yeah. another person though and use that, that that's true yeah. person who yeah. doesn't give their consent to uh to having this experiment done on them, but yeah i mean i i I love this last page where the things are just flying from him i I said it's frightening because it's like that would be quite quite terrifying to <laughs> all of a sudden you can't <laughs> touch anything the the one flaw i think in this is that he should probably just float into outer space because he would repel himself <laughs> even from
1: the ground right right yeah i think so <laughs> yeah well maybe gravity's just that much stronger but <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah but but still like he should uh, yeah yeah maybe he shouldn't be walking
0: i find in these instances where the the heroes think that the the good guy is actually a bad guy uh, they're very frustrating because there's so many opportunities where Beast can just blurt out his plan, but instead he says things like, guys, if you would just believe me, if you just would give me a chance, or I, I don't have time to explain, but if he just said, I'm building something and I'll stop Eunice, like, really fast, and <laughs> then, like, <laughs> right. they wouldn't have this conflict anymore right now. It would be completely different.
1: Uh, comic book characters tend to be too secretive.
0: <laughs> yes. Yep.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, how else would you get uh, Cyclops to randomly shoot at Beast then? <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, it's just for but, the sake of filling the page
0: count, I think. we got to put yeah. some of that conflict in there. Uh, okay, so interesting thing here on page 177, right at the beginning, this is the part where the beast and who is that angel no sorry the beast and Iceman come back to to tell cyclops they've just been beaten up and they quit the team right at this moment (laughs) is when the beast from the future comes to the past and gets all of the original x-men to go into the future to create the new all new x-men that that title that came out a few years ago yeah it was this moment exactly so right after they have this conversation and Beast is like, I'm done, he leaves the room and in the hallway is Beast, the future Beast, waiting for him. So uh, I always like coming back to this issue and realizing that uh, that they have this whole adventure now. <laughs> they spend years in the future and then come back eventually. Have they been sent back yet? i <laughs> I guess like I actually don't around. know. Yeah, some of them are still around. Yeah. Uh, I actually haven't been following X-Men, so I don't know for sure. But I kind of think that they have because I've okay. been reading the newest issues leading up to House of X, and none of the original X-Men are there to be seen in in that series. So I uh, I, I really don't know the answer.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, I I haven't followed the latest X-Men books in years, <laughs> so I I don't know. Yeah, but... Uh, I know that eventually once
0: the X-Men, uh, once that storyline isn't popular, or the char- no one cares about those characters anymore, that they'll just send them back and everything will be as it was before. It's right, what happens in right. comics. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but send them back and also wipe their memories. Yes,
0: yes, of course. That too.
1: <laughs> but there, There's also three panels of uh, uh, setting up the next issue with Professor X searching caves. But...
0: Yeah, <laughs> and this great this great apparatus that allows him to, to navigate the rocky terrain in, in a very special um, wheelchair or something.
1: <laughs> right. We'll see more of that next issue. Yeah. What do you think of Unis, Eunice, however you say that? Well,
0: um, he is not the most exciting character. I, I like the fact that he thinks he can do things on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's just kind of a bland character. He doesn't really stand out as a, a great uh, – great. he doesn't have a great costume or a great personality. Uh, I like right. him better in the second round um, in this book when he teams up with the Blob.
1: Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, and also the, this issue, like, I mean, the, the conflict between him and uh, the X-Men is – it's sort of like, oh, Magneto's pulling the strings behind the scenes. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. So Magneto's the real bad guy still.
0: Yeah, it's, but... it's true. Yeah, Magneto again. But we and I don't think the X-Men ever really find that out, do they? they uh,
1: no, I don't, I don't think
0: they so. They just but... confront Eunice because he's robbing a bank. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, speaking of the next issue, th- this is issue number nine. Enter the Avengers featuring the earth-shattering threat of Lucifer. Yeah. <laughs> Lots going on here. So the uh, Professor X, as we said, is searching for underground for this guy named Lucifer, Uh, finds him, finds out Lucifer has booby trapped himself, which this is just kind of a ridiculous thing because Lucifer says, if anything happens to me, if my heart should stop, I've rigged it so that uh, it'll send a signal to these nuclear devices that will go off and blow up like the planet or at least at least the (laughs) continent or whatever. Right. But it's like. Lucifer doesn't know Professor X very well cuz I don't think Professor X is going there with the intention to kill Lucifer. He might go there and knock him out or capture him or something like that, but I don't think his the end game is death in this this thing. So Lucifer's threat right. actually shouldn't to Professor X shouldn't be that much of a threat because there's no way Professor X is going to tr- get him to stop his heart unless Lucifer commits suicide, I
1: suppose yeah I just see it as kind of a flawed plot device here yeah <laughs> very uh almost too big you know yeah yeah like yeah i mean it I guess it'd be one thing if you had a a bomb in the building or whatever that would like oh you'll kill me, I'll take you out with me but <laughs> Destroying the, yeah. the whole continent.
0: The it's... better device is like those the one the ones who say I'm holding the controller in my hand. Yeah. um the, You know the the when I have it gripped in my hand in the closed position, that's safe. But as soon as it springs open, if my hand releases, the bomb will go mm-hmm. off. So if like if Professor X knocks him out, his hand will drop the thing. Everything will explode. That would be a better a better device here because Professor X is more likely to have that happen to him. Yeah. Anyway, the the yeah. cover of this issue touts the the, the it says don't miss the return of Professor X but he's only been gone for one issue. It's like we didn't really like it would have been a little bit better if maybe he was gone for a, lo- a little longer, maybe 3 or 4 issues even. Right. But it, we didn't even really give get a chance to miss him. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the other part of this issue is that the X-Men have to go find Xavier who's sent out a, me- a, a mental distress call. And they run into the Avengers who are also looking for Lucifer. And they have to convince the Avengers not to find Lucifer because Lucifer will spring the trap. And here's another instance of people not communicating properly and having a needless battle. But, of course, you know, this is a superhero comic book. So we want to see the X-Men and the Avengers battle. And, boy, do they battle. Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> I like Cyclops blasting uh, Thor's hammer out of his hand. and Yeah. You know. Stuff like that, but...
0: Yeah, there's some good moments. And uh Jack mm-hmm. Kirby is doing some great artwork here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Yeah, a lot of... There's a lot of characters to squeeze into these panels, but he manages to do that. Um, I like the device on page 204. Uh, that that whole page—it's page ten in this issue. Um, mm-hmm. The whole page is split into nine panels, and each tier is three panels devoted to one of the X-Men going from their civilian mode to their superhero mode, kind of, and de- demonstrating their powers. Yeah, yeah, I I like that they're still showing us exactly how their powers
1: work and that kind of thing. Yeah, it is kind of silly, like. Marvel girl, you might uh, fall into that hole. <laughs> Not enough time to sidestep it, so I'll just move a log. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was a little... If she doesn't have enough time to sidestep, she doesn't
0: have enough time to think. Right. Which means yeah. she doesn't have enough time to bring that log in into her to help her out. So, yeah, that was a little little force there. And yeah. also, there's there's got to be a better way to show what her powers are. Like That's kind mm-hmm. of a lame example, but oh well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, on page 197, at the beginning of this issue here, in the middle panel, oh, no, in the top the top right panel, Jean thinks to herself, uh, my heart just breaks when I see you so pale, so shaken. If only I could comfort you with my arms, my lips, but I know I mustn't. This is the first time that Jean is mm-hmm. shown to pine over Scott. So far, yeah. we've only seen the guys um, longing after Jean, and Jean hasn't had any feelings or anything like that for anybody that we've seen so far this is the first time that we've seen this and this is of course the the beginning of a long and troubled relationship between Cyclops and Jean Grey
1: (laughs) yeah very long and very troubled (laughs) yes okay Lucifer what are your thoughts on Lucifer he's lame (laughs) he's lame I don't don't like it (laughs) (laughs) Professor X says something like one of the greatest threats he've, he's ever faced or whatever but i i don't see that i mean yeah you know he does have the nuclear bomb connected to his heart but other than that he he doesn't have a defined plan or or yeah. powers or anything well
0: exactly that was the, my problem with this too he we don't know like he's dressed up like a supervillain but he doesn't yeah. do anything super villainy except for the fact that he's threatening the the planet but does he have powers? We don't know. What is, right. he, is his plan? He's doing something underground here, building something, but we have no idea what's going on. And in fact, we're not going to find out for like ten issues from now, more than yeah. ten issues from now. Right. It's kind of a weird thing, and if you're reading this monthly um, or bimonthly, as this would be, uh, it would just be, it would just have no consequence.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess. Uh... The professor does say in this issue that, you know, Lucifer's the reason he lost the use of his legs, but.
0: But we don't even find the, out that story. That would be right. nice if they had put that in here. It would have made the issue more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, however, like how they use their powers collectively uh, to stop this bomb. Yeah. And I guess, well, maybe not so collectively. I mean, it's mostly just Xavier and Cyclops working together to try and fire Cyclops's beam to some sort of little thing that he has to pinpoint. Exactly, precisely. So there, that was a good use of Cyclops' powers there, and uh, I like to see that. But yeah. I don't know the whole issue. I thought it would be great because um, there's the early issue of the Avengers where the Fantastic Four and everybody like they, they everybody starts fighting each other, and you know the cover has a great skyscraper, uh-huh. and uh, and it it was it was so good, so well done, so well thought out. And I would have liked to see that sort of same same battle displayed here. I mean, it's the exact same people, Stan and Jack. But this one falls short, whereas the other one was a lot better.
1: Yeah. I kind of blame Lucifer for that, mostly. Yeah. Yeah, because, I don't know, there there could have been some other reason. I mean, because it doesn't really... The, the Avengers don't really have a, a, a huge motive for, for being there, really. I mean, I, I guess to stop Lucifer, but
0: they, yeah, I it's mean, it's very very flimsy. Yeah, but the Avengers' yeah. motivations for being in places in these early days of the Avengers was often very flimsy. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, that
1: that that's true. That's true. But yeah. <laughs>
0: well, let's yeah. move on to the next issue here. Okay. All right. So, yeah, want to go take us through issue number ten?
1: Yep the the coming of Khazar. The X Men find out that there is well a. <laughs> a, a guy in a loincloth with a saber-toothed tiger in Antarctica. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so they they obviously think like, oh, he's going to be a mutant. So they go down to, to track him track him down, and they stumble across I don't think it's named, but the the Savage Land, right? Uh, with you know dinosaurs and woolly mammoths and all that. Yeah, and they they team up with Kazar to to rescue Gene and Angel. Who get kidnapped by some swamp people? I think yep, they say. That's right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. This this was a fun issue. I I actually I, I really like Kesar. Um. Mm-hmm. I don't think that uh, I I haven't like followed any of his titles and stuff, but I love it when he he pops up in in issues just randomly. Uh, I just recently read um what was it? It was a Wolverine graphic novel that took place in the Savage Land and. And it was a really, really, really good graphic novel, but it didn't have Kesar in it. And I was quite disappointed that uh, he didn't show up, at least just as a cameo or something like that. Yeah. Um, but this this is great. I, I always like these little adventures here. Uh, I always love it when there's dinosaurs in comics, so that's a definite plus here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And is this – this is – I can't remember. Is this the first appearance of the Savage Land? I think it is.
1: I, I think so. I think so, too. I, I know Kazar like, existed before this, but, but – I mean, but it yeah. was, like, 50s stories, I think.
0: Yeah, well, he started off as a character in the 1930s as a character in oh, pulp yeah. novels, pulp fiction. And, right. and then he was brought into comics when Marvel was Timely, Timely Comics, Mm-hmm. And but that was a different Caesar apparently. Like they they give him uh, eventually when they start establishing more of his backstory in the Silver Age. Here they give him a different name than he did in the in, in timely era, uh, and he has just has a different backstory. So he is a, he's kind of one of the earliest legacy characters that has kind of transcended through different people and that kind of thing. But uh, he's he's great, and I really love Sabu the and his relationship with Sabu the saber tiger, mm-hmm. a lot of fun.
1: Yeah. I don't know this the Savage Land is such a weird idea like an underground jungle in Antarctica. <laughs>
0: yeah, except you can like you can see the sky. Right. But it's underground. Right, but don't it's exactly underground. know how that works. <laughs> but it's great. No. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing is like you just have to kind of accept it for how what it, what it is and uh, and just go along for the ride. And Kirby is a fantastic world builder mm-hmm. because he just creates because this is the first appearance of the Savage Land, he creates this entire world and all of its inhabitants and these dinosaurs are very unique looking. They don't look like normal dinosaurs. And the the weapons of the of the swamp men and their designs and it there's just so much in here and it's very, very cool. And I give huge props to Kirby for for setting the stage for many, many Kesar stories to come.
1: Um, the, the, there is one point where gene and angel are you know being held by the the swamp people and you know going to be sacrificed to the T-Rex so page 230 where gene says Scott listen do you hear the, the thing's coming and but you know that's warren that's not scott oh yeah right yep mistake yeah <laughs> so i i i think cuz the i think there are a couple like uh, thought balloons of her, you know, pining after Scott in this issue, but to get my no prize I'll say that she was she was thinking of Scott <laughs> when she was about to die. So
0: Well, I um I often call my kids by the wrong names all yeah. the time. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that she makes
1: this mistake. <laughs> right, right. Right. Yeah, but but Angel does not notice. Yep. Anyways <laughs> He's he's too polite to uh to say anything <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, we'll give you the no prize for that, Jared. I'll uh, see All if I right. I can I'll write to Marvel and get them to send you a no prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Issue number eleven is one of my favorite covers of the early X Men. Um, I love just it's so it's so weird. It's this, this is the first appearance of the Stranger, this cosmic being called the Stranger, and I love that he's just floating there he looks like he's hmm. walking but he's just kind of walking on air and it's just a little bit disorienting because he doesn't look like he's floating and so right. <laughs> it, it's just an odd cover i love it i love the 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 detailed building in the background that's just all gray with the sunset behind it i love the the x-men in various points in the the background and foreground uh, it all works together to just be sort of an odd cover that I just I, I find it striking. I like it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and also the the stranger looks he's kind of weird looking. Like his his face is is weird.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got a big nose and yeah, his hair is kind of right. funny. Um, yeah, this is an interesting but... character. The stranger. Uh, he appears in um you know he randomly appears in cosmic books every once in a while. Uh, and Mm -hmm. he has kind of changed over the years as well. But in this book, um, Magneto is back. The whole issue is called The Triumph of Magneto, and Magneto tries to convince who he thinks is a powerful mutant, the Stranger, to be on his side, but ends up that the Stranger is not a mutant and is actually way more powerful than Magneto ever thought. And... uh, Turns mastermind to stone and Mm -hmm. tries to off everybody else, and and eventually sucks Magneto and Toad into outer space and never to be seen again. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Never. Never. Ever to be seen again.
1: Yeah. Never ever. Yeah. But like five issues from now. (laughs) Yeah. Whatever.
0: (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I mean that's that's basically the issue, but it's just you have to read this one to fully understand that the stranger is just kind of a weird guy. Um, we don't know what his powers exactly are we don't know what his origins are and it's it's we think he's he could be a mutant but then it's just doubly shocking at the very end when he like grows to be um, I don't know huge he's like 20 feet tall or something and then he's like massive and glowing and turns into just a I don't know some weird form and, and like a form of light and blasts off into outer space totally out of left field um, but kind of fun at the same time yeah. And then at the very end, I love also that <laughs> it, uh, Xavier is looking at his Cerebro machine and he has to remove the names Magneto, Mastermind, and Toad from the Cerebro list of names <laughs> because <laughs> they're gone. They're they're in outer space now. They're not going to be a threat anymore.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it's fun. But yeah. um, this is also Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch decide to, uh, you know, leave stop working for Magneto and just yep, you know finally. go about their business, finally, right? Yeah, yeah so.
0: And I like how they pl- this played out in the issue because they quit while Magneto's still there. They could have easily, they could have written it in the way that like Magneto gets sucked into outer space and then Scarlet Witch are like, oh, finally, he's out of our hair. But instead, they stood up to him and they left. Right. So I like that they did that and they took matters into their own hands and weren't afraid of Magneto and they just, they took off. Um, actually I don't think they actually do confront Magneto but They they don't. Uh, no. Yeah, they yeah. they do that with with the X-Men there. But but still it's like they didn't know that Magneto was gonna be sucked into outer space. They could have he could have come after them and but they weren't afraid of, of doing that. Uh, and then, of course, everybody, hopefully everybody knows that they move over to the Avengers and become part of Captain America's new Avengers team. That happens in Avengers number 16, which actually came out the same month as this issue, cover date July
1: 1965. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah, I, I knew it couldn't have been too much later, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: this issue also has a good turning point for Bobby, uh Earlier in the episode, I mentioned that I like Bobby because he goes through this arc. uh, And then on page 244, Iceman uh, comes up with a good idea. And then Jean Grey says, Bobby, ever since you stopped your childish hijinks, you've become positively masterful with your ice power. And I thought about it, and it's true. The last few issues, he hasn't been concerned with, you know, making making pranks or, you know, making ice cream on top of his pie or whatever. He's... He's been treated more seriously. He's grown up, and I like that they've kind of made that transition to making him <laughs> an older character.
1: Yeah, yeah. But wasn't it at the very beginning of this issue where uh, Professor X chews him out? He freezes freezes something that Beast is... Yeah, he freezes the bookshelf that Beast is going to jump on, and, yeah, and, and Beast, you know, slips. And then Professor X, yeah, page 240... <laughs> It's like oh that, man, yeah, you're right. play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so maybe I'm not so correct in how they've been treating Bobby, <laughs> even in this one issue.
1: Uh, oops. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, that's it's okay. But I mean, I you know, reading this like that that balloon of Gene is like ever since you stopped your childish hijinks uh, A few pages, four ago. pages ago. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> yep but yeah. okay. <laughs>
0: but but he continues on this path of coming up with some really good ideas, and there's one idea in particular in one of the last issues in this book that I'll point out that I think is quite good um and shows that Bobby has a much better control over what he can do and and using his powers in original ways Mm-hmm. So I think we're running a little long on time, so we're going to cut this episode into two parts. So let's end here because the next issue is the beginning of a two-part story, so I don't want to cut, cut it in the middle of our conversation on that one. So I think at this point we should wrap it up and leave the rest of it for the next episode. So uh, thanks for joining us on this episode, Jared, and we will see everybody next time.
1: And see you later.